that's the easiest way to make six figures a month. Huh. Just think about it. Facebook's worth 500 and some change billion, yep. right? Google's worth 700 and something billion. Mm -hmm. Facebook makes almost all their money from ads. Yes. And same with Google. Forget yes. Android and all that. It's still almost all yeah, ads. It's like 85% or 90%. Yeah, it's something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That's such a big pie. You don't even need a tenth of a percent. The easiest money maker and actually the best service to offer yep. is paid ad management. So okay. like pay-per-click management, whether it's Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google AdWords, because most people that are buying and even spending half a million, a million dollars a month, or even a hundred grand a month, they have no clue what they're doing. Yes, they're just throwing money at it. Yeah, because they're like, oh, everyone else is on Facebook. We got to go spend money on Facebook ads. So you'll basically come into them and say, what do you recommend for somebody watching that's doing Facebook ads or thinking about doing YouTube, Insta? Do you do a flat fee plus a percentage of spend? Yes. Do you, or do you do, okay. So charge them at least a few grand. Yep. Or... 15% of spend. You can go yeah. down to 10% of spend and you can go all the way up to 20. Yeah. Getting more than 20 is a bit greedy. Yeah. Going lower than 10 is usually not worth it. Yeah. So even if someone's doing like 100 grand, you want to take 10%. And it's really easy for them to pay you that. And the reason being is a lot of times like their copy sucks or their social media ad image just sucks, right? Like on their Facebook ads. And just making it a little bit better yeah. gives them more than a 10% lift. And they're like, oh, wow, we're getting better results. And even yeah. though we're giving you 10%, it's still paying for itself. Yeah. Yeah, you can show them. You can track how much at first you were making. Yes, instantly yeah. too. You can say, look, your old ad was getting, your CPA was 70 bucks and I dropped it to 50 bucks. So I saved you, you know, 30, 40%. And now people, and I'm only charging you 10. Yeah, that's the easiest way to make six figures a month. Because huh. think about it. Facebook's worth 500 and some change billion, yep. right? Google's where it's 700 and something billion. Mm -hmm. Facebook makes almost all their money from ads. Yes. And same with Google. Forget yes. Android and all that. It's still almost all yeah, ads. Yeah, it's like 85% or 90%. Yeah, it's something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So you just had to take a slice of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a big pie. You don't even need a tenth of a percent. So for somebody who's watching who doesn't know, let's, let's, go, let's move on to the, I think we're on number three. What's a hack for somebody who sees the value in offering Facebook um, ad management, Google ad management, but doesn't know how to do it? You can go to uh, Google AdWords. They have a certification program. Yep. And they teach you how to do AdWords. So Google for free. <laughs> yeah, for free because they want you to spend more money. Yeah. Because if you're doing a better job and getting a better ROI, yep. what are you going to do? You're going to spend more money. So tip number three is go, and I've had my staff do that. I'm like, go Go through this. It's free. Ben, did you ever get certified? No, I Alex Oh, Alex. See, one of my staff, I told them my brother didn't do it yet, but Alexand good. Alexandria. Good. Alexandria. You know, I learned Google AdWords back when it started. I got in. There was no tutor. You used to just sit in there spending money. It was easier then. What about for Facebook, learning Facebook? So Facebook Support Center yes. teaches you more about ads than a lot of the stuff you read online. And yeah. it's such an amazing place. Or you just go to YouTube and you just type yeah. in like how to do Facebook ads and like go look for the most popular videos, yeah. right? And the best likes and ratios and you just go follow their advice step by step. So it's not, the, the point is you can learn it much faster. You're not going to be 
go from Monday and on Tuesday be the world's best expert, but. You'll be good enough within one day. It is, yeah. It's actually not that hard. You'll be better, put it this way, you only have to be a little bit better than the companies that are paying you, right? It's kind of like being a personal trainer. You don't have to be The Rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger to be a personal trainer. You just have to be in better shape than most people. Yes. The Rock might not hire you if you're not ripped and massive, but remember, in the modern world and personal training, a lot of people are 100 pounds overweight. If you're decent, if you have a four pack, you're good to teach them. So in the same way, a lot of these companies, they're like 200 pound overweight when it comes to Google AdWords spending and Every, Facebook. Even the big guys, I used to manage General Motors' uh, marketing spend, Okay. Uh, just digital for their finance division. They have mortgages, camping okay. world insurance, and all this other stuff, right? Five million a month. Okay. Three million of it produced sales, two million of it didn't even produce a dollar in income. So it's like, okay, you see that this isn't produced, stop spending money on this two million. Yeah. I know that sounds stupid, but that's a large corporation making that mistake. Yeah. And this isn't uncommon. Like $24 million a year they're just throwing out. So you can tell them, do this. Just give it to me. Is that what you told them? Well, <laughs> I, I started managing it, and funny enough, I got fired when I cut the $2 million. Really? Yeah, because the guy who was in charge, he was like, dude, I'm not going to get the budget for next quarter. <laughs> and I'm like, but you're not making any money so for this $2 So you actually did such a good job. They <laughs> rewarded you by firing. That yes. is very nice. Okay, so... Next question, or we're on number four. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's do a hack for somebody who wants to sell more product online. Maybe they have an Amazon store. Maybe they have a Shopify store, a ClickFunnels store, and they don't have a ton of money. How would you get started selling something? If you were selling T-shirts, if you were selling, we were talking about services, but now physical product. You're, let's just say T-shirts yeah. or kitchen items or something like that. So one, there's a ton of companies that do drop shipping. Yes. And there's a huge model for e-commerce right now the, of all the drop shippers, right? Yes. And it's because no one wants to create or hold inventory. It's a huge cost center. So what I would do is I would first go to Google Trends yep. and find what's up and coming. Okay. So you just literally, it's a free part of Google, type in Google Trends. And you can start clicking around. There's a whole bunch. You can do it by country. You can Everything. do it by YouTube. Yes. You can, there's a lot. I love Google Trends. You can. Me and Zach used to have a little segment on our show called, what did we just call it? Google Trends? I think so. Very. Google Trends with Ty and Zach. Okay, so you go there, then what? You look for what's up and coming. Yep. You go find products that you see. Like They show you a chart. Is it like going up? Is it going down? And then you go to like places like Amazon and you type in the product. Yep. If you don't see a ton of options, go and create it. Okay. And then just have someone drop ship it. How would you get customers? So let's say somebody's got you got the drop shipping set up, you have Amazon set up, you have, you know, Shopify or ClickFunnels set up. What do you do then? Because you can have a website and make zero dollars. You don't have to get customers. Okay. If it's up and coming, the trends are showing that everyone's Googling this item, okay. which means they're typically searching it on Amazon as well if it's e-commerce related. Yes. And if you create the product and there's very little competition, yes. you can make a ton of money. So I'll give you an example. Okay. I was at a mastermind in Dubai that I was speaking at, and I met a guy who started e-commerce in November of 2016. Okay. And we're still yeah, in... About a year ago. Yeah, a yeah. year ago. He went from zero to $48 million in one year. Wow. All he did, Google Trends, find the latest product, find a dropshipper, put it on Amazon. He's what, not what the best... What genre was it in? Oh, like widget spinners and every little thing like that. He did any product. He's done like kitchen appliances. I think appliances. I know that this guy's been WhatsApping me. Young he, guys? Yeah, young guys. Yeah, he I know. He just bought a Lamborghini. Yeah, he wears like studded shoes and yeah. stuff. 
and like he's like, I'm not the best Amazon seller, yeah. but he's just like, I'm just finding what's trending and not much competition. He's like, you put it up. Yeah. So is he doing a ton of paid spend? No, no, no paid spend. <laughs> really? So he got something that's hot. He ranked high in Amazon. Well, there's not a ton of competitors. Right. So when people type it in, you're one of the few options and Google Trends shows you what's up and coming yes. without a ton of competition. If you don't know shit about investing, yeah. your best bet is real estate. Okay. It's where dumb people get rich. <laughs> it really is. So you don't do have you to do some real estate because you're yeah. not dumb. I still do it because it's like, uh, and I'm not the smartest either, but here's the thing that I learned. You're never going to sell more than market value, but you can sometimes buy cheaper, right? Yes. You, you make money when you get the deals. But even if you don't get deals, like right now we're here in Beverly Hills, or is this Bel Air? Yep. This is Beverly Hills, yeah. Beverly Hills. Okay, you buy land or a home in Beverly Hills, even if it's a piece of shit place, it doesn't even matter if you buy at the peak of the market. 10 years from now, you're making money. 10 yeah. years from now, you're making a killing. 30 years, you're crushing it. Not like it's gone up double. I'm talking about it'll probably go up yeah. five, six, seven yeah. X over 30 years or whatever it is. There's no more land in these areas and everywhere, anyone around the world who's successful is like, I wanna go to LA, Beverly Hills, yeah. like it's well known. So you pick a spot that's well known and you buy a land there, you'll do well, or you buy a home or any area that's around those surrounding areas because yeah. there's no more room in Beverly Hills and it's too expensive. You go to Hollywood or you yeah. go to Bel Air. I don't even know if Bel Air is probably expensive as well. Yeah, Bel Air is similar to here, Beverly Hills. So you just go around to the outskirts because they all get gentrified and cleaned up over time yeah. and they skyrocket. Like right now in LA, the Olympics, they're spending so much money to change LA for the Olympics and investing money. Yeah. That means it's all gonna get cleaned up and even better and better, which means real estate prices should go up over time. Yeah. And believe it or not, I mean, people always think you're priced out of the market. With real estate, here's the thing. This is, I like talking about this because we're talking about Bitcoin, how you can make money if it goes up and down. Real estate as it goes up and down. So people go, well, I can't afford to get into a place like Beverly Hills. But if you have a little bit of power as a persuasion, there's more potential investors who will back you in yes. Beverly Hills. So there's pros and cons to everything. One of my favorite sayings is, there's no solutions, only trade-offs. So but some people go, okay, I don't wanna buy in Beverly Hills, it's too expensive and I'm a new real estate investor, so I'm gonna go buy in Timbuktu, Omaha, Nebraska. Well, the downside of that is, think about if you find a decent piece of land or a house in Beverly Hills and you pitch 20 investors, are those investors likely to write you a check for a name brand location? Yes. Yeah. So don't necessarily be intimidated just because. Yeah, and if you pitch an investor and even if they say no, they're not saying no, they're just saying not right now. Yeah. Right? Eventually you can persuade them to say yes. So let's say you're great at Google and Facebook marketing. I would end up telling them like, all right, go find a company who's on Google doing paid ads yep. and Facebook doing paid ads, yep. right? Because that means they're usually not in the middle or leveraging the free traffic like you're, you do really well. And you end up going and finding the CEO of that business. Yeah. Their email's all online, you just Google for it, right? Yep. And you say, let's say their name is John. Hey John, I know you're really busy. You're spending a ton of money on Google and Facebook ads because your team doesn't know how to get the traffic or traction organically. Right. I can solve that for you. If you can, please forward this over to the person in charge of marketing so that way I don't waste any more of your time. Huh. Cheers, Neil. 
Now, they don't always forward it, but I found that like 20, 30% of the time they forward it because in their mind, they're like, yeah, I'm wasting a lot of money. I don't know if this guy's good, but let me forward it. So just three, if you email every 10 people, you should get two or three of those emails. Now, will the marketing person contact you usually? Yes. And if the CEO of the company says, contact this person, forwards it, right. not only are they going to contact you back, you have a high chance of closing them as a client because they're like, oh, the CEO told me to talk to him. Yeah. He, you never said in the email, hey, John, we don't know each other yes. or anything like that. The, C, uh, the marketing person usually assumes that you know the CEO and they never ask you if you do. You're not yeah. lying. I highly recommend like make this like a law in your brain. Only spend money that you have physically in your bank account. Right? Okay. If you spend it like if that's a habit and you only follow that rule, you'll never go into debt and you'll never miss a payment because if like if you only have forty dollars in your bank account, and you only spend forty dollars on your credit card. There's no way you're not going to be able to pay off the forty dollars. Right. Yeah. Now if you're spending like oh cool I have a four thousand dollar credit line I have like thirty dollars in my bank account oh I have four thousand dollars to blow then like you're screwing yourself over. Right. Remember this is about the long game. If you do this wrong, you're going to get, you know, you're going to basically get a $4,000 credit line. You're going to rack it up. You're not going to pay it off. And you're going to kill your chances of ever getting $40,000. The goal is you got to play the long game. That's what we're going to be teaching. That's what we're teaching now. So if somebody, let's say somebody has, gets a $1,000 or let's just say $4,000 credit line. And they have the money to pay it off. Yep. Should you pay it all off down to zero? Yeah, I would I, I would suggest it because, so like what happens is at the end of your month, right? Yep. Uh, a statement comes and it gets reported to your bureau. So let's say you have like, I don't know, you spent $3,800 this month. Yep. Um, what you want to do is you don't want to like carry that balance because your utilization ratio is pretty like damn high. Like with 3,800, yeah. your utilization ratio should ideally be under 10%. Yeah. So like in terms of more easy numbers, if your line was 1,000 and you're spending $100 like at your statement, you're doing 10%, which is pretty yes. good. Now, if you're doing $900 out of your 1,000, you're doing 90%, that's going to ding your credit report. That's actually going to hurt your score. And yeah. that's a high impact factor. That's as, that's the same level as missing a payment. So we want to add 10,000 more in credit lines. What do people need to know? So it goes back to what we talked about in the initial part, which is building a relationship with a bank, right? If you never initially, like build a relationship, it's just like, I don't know, like asking the bank on the first date. Like it, yeah. th- that just doesn't happen, right? Right. You need, to, you need to establish something like, so, okay, open a credit card. Maybe you have a $500 credit limit, maybe a $1,000 credit limit, and you pay it on time every month for six months. Mm-hmm. Then when you go back and you do something called a CLI, credit line increase. Okay, so then, you need to understand the goal is a CLI. Yeah, so you go t- and once you have like six months uh, of relationship with them, then you go to them and say like, look, I've paid on time for six months and you can see on my credit report and you can show it to other banks that you've done it for six months. Then asking for a credit line increase is great. And especially if you follow that 90% rule that we're talking about, if you pay it off 90% or more, just pay it off completely, then it shows that, okay, he obviously knows how to manage his credit for six months, like no, no issue at all. Have you ever seen it take less than six months? Um, I had, so my first card was 500 credit limit. And by the second month I had, I think like four or 5,000 credit limit. So if you do this right, and we're going to talk about some special techniques, it doesn't have to take six months. No, it took you one month or two months. Depends. Some of you got your credit in a little more complicated situation than others. It's hard to draw absolute rules, but the point is whether it's one month or six month time flies. Get your bank account up, get your credit line up. It's valuable, it's powerful. Another thing, so I actually had a few like DMs come in and like they were under 18. Like there are a lot of people asking me like, oh, I'm under 18, how do I build 
like credit and how do I build a relationship? So if you're trying to build a relationship and you're under 18, you can't apply legally for a credit card. You can actually get your parents to add you as an authorized user. Now, like, you know, some parents are like, oh, I don't trust Joey to, like, handle his Right. Can you card. get, like, an uncle? Can you get someone Yeah, anybody else? can add you as a credit and, like, uh, as an authorized user. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. Like, here's a really good negotiation way to talk to your parents or, like, whoever is doing it. <laughs> add me as an authorized user. Never give me the card. And, in fact, if you're so scared, just as soon as you get the card with my name on it as an authorized user, just cut it in half. So right. what you're saying is you can get your parents to do it with no risk. Yeah, with no risk. And yeah. you, inherit your, you inherit your parents' good relationship with the bank that they've already built with maybe like seven or eight years of history. Now it's like, okay, now you're starting ahead of the game. So the day you turn 18, my parents didn't do this for me, but I wish they did. His parents didn't do this because some people are going to be like, oh, you only got that because of your parents. Yeah. So like, I mean, my, the whole reason I'm doing this is because my dad wouldn't help me with credit. So I had to go Google it myself. So we're gonna talk about free travel. Common misconception or like just common confusion like topic. When I first started, I had no idea what points were, right? Like how do you know what the value of a Marriott point is versus a Starwood point versus a Hilton point? There's a site and they, there's a site called uscreditcardguide.com. It's basically like a Wikipedia for credit cards. And this is where I do all my research. Um, I'll look at, they'll do like historical highs for every credit card. So for example, you look at a Marriott a Marriott credit card, you'll see that, oh, right now it's at 30,000 points. You may think that's a lot, but then you look into historical high and see like, oh, wow, like three months ago, this thing was like doing a 100,000 sign up point bonus. So this, you want to talk about research. And that's one thing that I stressed a lot in like the courses that I've been teaching is research, research, research. Like, yep. I mean, I can tell you like the best card today, but like yep. in a month, it may be the worst credit card. Right. And so I'd much rather empower you guys to like actually learn for yourself and learn how to do this. Um, so for free travel, there's a lot of different things. You it's in combination with getting credit cards, getting credit cards, getting the sign-up bonus, getting the points, and then, you know, getting the statuses at each uh, hotel. So like, I'm a Platinum Marriott Ritz-Carlton status. I'm a Diamond Hilton. I'm a Delta Diamond member. And what that, what that means is like, I can spend very little points and get like the cheapest room or the worst room. And where I can like book the cheapest flight for like 5,000 sky miles out of like my 400, 500,000 sky miles and then get bumped into first class always because I have Delta Diamond status, which is like usually you have to fly like 150,000 miles a year to do that and spend like over six figures to get that kind of status. But there's different tricks that we teach in the program. They'll, they'll get you Delta Diamond status and Hilton Diamond status. And, Marriott Platinum, and that's how you get free travel. You you basically take the sign-up bonuses and the points that you earn from these credit cards, and you extend them. If you had to leave a one paragraph for the world of advice that you've learned in life, what's that one paragraph say? The one paragraph I would say is whatever you do, you gotta suffer the consequences, whether it be good or bad, but do you. Do you? If it's if it's if it's if you're if you're a, a killer or a mason, don't try to be when you get caught. Be soft now. If you're gonna be true to yourself, be true to yourself. Whatever you do, and suffer the consequences. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But to be true to yourself. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome, man. I appreciate your time. Easy. Yes, sir. Almost every week since we launched ClickFunnels, there's been like next ClickFunnels killer that's coming out. And everyone, right. I got all the emails from everyone forward, and like, oh, next the competitor's coming out. 
And so far, I think it's been like 30-something that have come out, and all of them have kind of fallen by the wayside and, and didn't do you much. You think that's because they weren't movements like yours? Yeah, well, I asked, I asked some of my members, I'm like, how come you guys don't try their software? Why are you switching over? And they said, because we're part, like, this is not your company, Russell. This is us. Like, we're, we're funnel hackers. ClickFunnels is our tool. Like, this is who we are. And they said, one guy I remember told me, he's like, he's like, I look at it long enough. I look at the ad in my Facebook feed just long enough to laugh, and then I scroll on because I know uh-huh. that I'm a funnel hacker and I'm part of this movement. And so it's like, everyone's coming trying to beat us on pricing and things like that. And it's like, no, we built a community. We built a tribe of people who have a belief they're going somewhere. There's a vision of what they're all trying to do. And, and that has been so huge in propelling us to this, this growth. They also share, I mean, we get... Um, organically, about a thousand people a day they're signed for ClickFunnels, and that's not coming these from are our paid pay- ads. These are paid customers, by the way. Fifty-five thousand paid customers, and not the free ones like most software. Your free <laughs> email list is probably how big is, yeah, do you share? Over is, a million. Over a million. Yeah, and we probably probably had about five hundred thousand or so that have actually created an account. But yeah, fifty-five thousand that are actively paying, paying to be a you, and it costs between what? Between one hundred and three hundred dollars a month. One hundred and three hundred, and then you got some upgrades people can do. Yeah. So. I, it's interesting you're talking about this because I was just reading this. It's like I like to read textbooks. Even though I didn't go to college, I, I, this is how I do my version of college. So I was reading this book, Dr. David Buss's psychology book. He's actually coming here tomorrow. It's one of the most interesting guys in the world. And he's talking about the rise of gang membership around the world. And he said it completely tracked the breakdown of the old family unit tribe, right? Gangs started to get big, let's say. I mean, there's always been some form of gang, but people want to belong to something. Mm -hmm. And so now if you can build a business, you see that with like Lady Gaga. She called her fans like the little, wasn't it Little Monsters or something like that? And Justin Bieber, what are they called? Believers. <laughs> right? and, and that sounds stupid. When I saw that, I'm like, ah, oh, but, but maybe they're smarter than we think. And you had this thing, funnel hackers. People get stuck still. People are still in the old, old modality of business, which is think the thing through, write an elaborate business plan, <laughs> raise capital, hire you know, a team, da-da-da-da-da-da. By the Pray time, work. Yeah. one year later, go broke. Have a great story about how you went broke and do this. And by the time you're 96 years old, you're wealthy. And what you're saying is well, you've condensed the cycle. Just test the market. You can have a business up, running, fail or succeed within 24 hours. The same way. So the way this Trey guy, the way he did his test, he, <laughs> I kidding, this is a real thing. He would walk across the street to Walmart and he'd walk around the aisles. He's like, this looks like it would sell. He'd take it off the shelf, go back home, take a picture, make a funnel. And it didn't work, so he'd walk away. But the ones that did work... Then he would go and like find some in China, source, like whatever, all of the things to get the actual product. But he wasn't spending all sorts of time and money ahead of time. He yeah. was just like going to Walmart, finding what looked cool, try to sell it. If it's sold, if the market's like, yes, I want to give you money for that, then he's like, okay, I'm gonna actually build something behind that. If it didn't, he's out the 30 bucks that he thinking he bought at Walmart huh. and you know, an hour of his time. So it's like you can get speed so much faster going through this process. One of the best sayings that I've ever kind of put together as a rule of life for myself is. He or she who experiments the most wins. Like people think about many things that will determine your success. I, in my experience, I've never sold flashlights. Maybe (laughs) I I missed that trend. (laughs) But to the extent that I experiment, I make a lot more. I'll put it to you this way. It's a hundred times more income if you hit on the right product. Mm -hmm. Like let's say you'll make... $1 $1 million lifetime with a product. If you hit on the right one, you'll make $100 million. Mm-hmm. So 
the reward is huge for using tools that allow, whether it's not just ClickFunnels, you also now have the ability to use Facebook ads, Google ads, display ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads to quickly validate that you can drive cold traffic to a funnel too. New people. That's another, you need, you need some traffic too. So let's, let's talk about number three. I'm throwing these out. You can add to these, but what is the marketing technique hack besides, we talked about creating movement, which gets virality, meaning people tell their friends and then your business grows, just word of mouth. But have you done any paid advertising and what have you learned about that? Yes, um, we do a lot of paid advertising. It was interesting. I like how you, you're a mad scientist. It's really fun stories. I love this. Um, <laughs> it's kind of late at night too, so maybe I'm just tired. I don't know, but I'm excited. He's delirious because he's in Idaho time. <laughs> yeah. This is like three in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna tell a story that kind of sets this up, though. But so when ClickFunnels launched, started growing really fast, and what's been fun is we have a whole bunch of uh, VCs have come and try to give us money, and we haven't taken a penny on. We don't want to, but it's always fun to like let them come talk to you and tell you what they think you're worth because it makes you feel good about yourself, right? <laughs> so you guys go. come and talk to us. <clears throat> And so we're at lunch one day, and uh, one of the VC guys is uh, asking all these questions on our numbers and trying to put them out there. And uh, he asks the question, the same question they ask every single time on Shark Tank, right? Cuban's always like, so what's the cost to acquire a customer, right? Every single time on Shark Tank. And so he asked me, he's like, well, what's your cost to acquire a customer? And I was like, well, right now we spend about $120 on Facebook ads to get a free trial. And yep. he was like, oh, he's getting all excited, like doing the math. Like, hey, so who do I check? $50 million, you get this many customers. I was like, actually, you know what? We turn all the ads off. And he's like, why did you turn the ads off? And I was like, well, because I'm paying this out of my own pocket. Like, this is me bankrolling this. Like, like we're homegrown. Like, and he's like, well, how are you guys growing so fast? I don't understand. And I said, well, this whole funnel thing that we're doing, we're, like, we practice what we preach. And he's like, well, walk me through the process. So I walk him through, like, for example, my book, right? This is, this is the funnel, like, that gets people into my world, right? So we sell this Selling book. the book, yeah. So on average right now, it costs me about $12 on Facebook ads to sell one copy of the book. And someone buys the book, we have an upsell for the audio book, and there's a training program behind it. Do you do it. the book free? Uh, it's free. They just cover shipping and handling. Okay. And then you have a couple upgrades? Yep. And so on average, we spend $12 to sell a book, but I make $32 in the funnel. Hmm. So everyone that buys the book, I net $20 that goes in my pocket, and I get a customer, and I tell a customer, hey, there's a really cool thing over here, thing called ClickFunnels. And then they go to ClickFunnels. So I explained it to the VC guy, and he's like, that doesn't make any sense. I said, yeah, I get paid $20 net to introduce someone to my company. Hmm. And I had to explain it three or four times, and I remember the, the, the fourth time afterwards, he said, if that's true, like, that'll change business forever. Right. I said, that's exactly what my whole message is. Like, these funnels make it so that people like me, who don't have any money, I don't have to go get some venture capitalist guy to give me $10 million, $100 million to bankroll and finance the, the growth. Like, I can create a funnel providing value to people. It gives me customers. And then I introduce them to my the thing I'm really selling, yeah. and it's all free, and that's how that's and then how you we know grow and get out. Yeah, and then get out. Much. I don't need your <laughs> dirty money, you VC <laughs> capitalist pig. Did you say that? It was a little nicer, but you know. Okay. <laughs> to be able to sell to the masses, to be able to convert ten or hundred or a thousand people all at once, you have to become very, very good at understanding what people's false beliefs are. Okay, so. People have these false beliefs that keep them from buying. There's a reason why people aren't going to pick up the book and read. There's some false belief like, I'm not an expert. I don't believe there. So they all have something, right? There's a reason why people aren't signed for MentorBox. They're not going to an event or whatever that thing is. They have these false beliefs that hold them back, right? And so our job as marketers is we have to figure out, like, what's the false belief that they have? And typically what happens is that most of us have that same false belief sometime in our life. Mm-hmm. So we have, to, we have to remember, like, what, was, what happened in my life? Why do I not believe that anymore? Because there's a reason why I... I don't do that anymore. Like, what's the reason? What's the story behind it? And we have to go back in time and remember, okay, I don't believe that anymore because of this thing. 
And then when I'm speaking masses, I tell stories in a way to help break people's false beliefs. Okay, so for example, probably the easiest one to, to map this out, and I'm not into network marketing, but it's a really good example of this, right? So let's say I want to sign up, let's say I'm in a room and I got 50 people and I want them to sign up for a network marketing program. So I'm thinking like, what is the false belief most of these people probably have? Like the false belief is that if I join this company, all my friends and my family are gonna leave me, right? That's a belief that a lot of people have, okay? <laughs> and so I think like, well, why do they have that belief? Why do they believe that if, that if that they join the company, they're, they're gonna lose their friends and family? And I'm like, okay, well, it's probably because one time in the past, one of two things happened. Number one is that they got into a company, they got outside, they started calling their friends and their family, and they had a horrible experience, all right. the people hated them. Or number two is they were on the receiving end of that, and they got a call from their brother pitching them and wouldn't leave them alone. And so because of that, they're like, if I get involved in this company, I'm going to have these people that just hate me, right? Yeah. So that's their false belief. So if I'm going to convince somebody, like, I, no matter how good the product or the service is, I cannot, I'm never going to close that person in a million years. And most people have that false belief, right? So I got to think, okay, like, what's, what's the story that happened? What's the experience I had? Why don't I not believe that? And um, I was talking to some of this big network marketing, one of the guys in our community, and he told me the whole story. Because I asked him, I'm like, I'm like so that's your, like, that's your audience's false belief. Why don't you believe that? He's like, well, I did believe that for a long time. I was like, he had the same false belief. So tell me why that's no longer true. And he said, well, I joined a program. I had a really bad experience and lost my friends. And all my, all my people stopped returning my calls. So I left. And a little while later, I had a friend. And he told me that you could generate leads online of people that actually were interested. And he's like, right. I put up ads. And they raised their hand. And then they would fill out a form. Then I would call him. And he's like, everyone I called was excited to hear from me because they just asked me to call them. And then they sign up. And he's like, I didn't talk to a single friend or family member ever. Huh. And so I was like, okay, hey, that's your story. Tell that story to this audience and this false belief that they're holding on to with all their might. All of a sudden, your story will, will shatter that false belief and they'll buy. So what do you say to somebody who has a false belief that they can't create something, some cool videos because they're introverted or they're nervous? Or what do you say? Um, probably two things. Then you can go both directions. One is like, even if you're introverted, you can do it. Like, I'm actually super introverted. If you ask my friends at home, they, every time they see a Facebook Live and they're like, you talk a lot on the camera. You don't talk in real life. Like, I'm super introverted. Like, you can still do it. That's number one. Like, don't be afraid. The second thing is, though, like, maybe you really are in a super huge, super huge fear. Like, I look at my company. Like, I got some amazing people working with partners and founders and stuff. And, like, they're not on video all the time. But I am. So it's like, if you can't be that person, like, find find the partner who's like, they want to do that thing. They want to be the person in there and, and make that the partnership. And that can work as well. You yeah, know, if Todd Dickerson would have, the, the coded click funnels, like, he... He wouldn't have ever wanted to be on camera talking about ClickFunnels all day. Yeah. And that's like, I can't code, but I can do that. So we found each other and, you know, made it work. If you studied Myers-Briggs personality theory, one of the Jungian, you know, psychology tests, it says most cases, introverts and extroverts are the best match. So if you're looking for a business partnership, if you can partner up, if you look at Warren Buffett, is extroverted. He likes to crack jokes. If you go to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, he's funny. And then Charlie Munger... He'll turn to Charlie Munger, who's an introvert, and be like, Charlie, what's your opinion? And he'll go, I have nothing to add. <laughs> Literally, that's what he says. There's 18,000 people flew in from around the world. It's, they ask in advance, you know, what's the next company you're investing in? How are you going to invest our billions of dollars? Warren Buffett will be like, well, when the tide comes in, you see who's swimming naked. Ha ha, the whole place laughs. Then literally, he'll be like, Charlie, what's your opinion? And he'll go, he literally eats peanut brittle and drinks Coke because he owns C's Candy Peanut Brittle and co they are the largest shareholder, I think, at Coca-Cola. So, and he's mic'd up to 18,000 people in a studio and he's such an introvert. He eats, he has, a, introverts are more likely to have very strict uh, little habits. So he has a habit where he eats peanut brittle at 92. So you're listening. So it's random. like, 
for 18,000 people. I'm like, this guy, this guy gives, doesn't give a damn. So, but they're a great business partnership yeah. because Charlie Munger sits there and crunches the numbers and he reigns in the, oh, the optimism of an, of an extrovert. So your business partner is an introvert. Mm-hmm. My business partner, Alex, is visiting and guess where he has been all day? Locked in a guest room in my house. He's like, I'm working on something. Don't bother me with humans. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good partnership.